Welcome. Welcome in to Sports Talk Chicago. All gas, no brakes. If you're looking for the same old sports talk, get out. You've come to the wrong place. Hey, we ain't come this far just to come this far, you hear me? I tell you what I see, I tell you the truth. We going hard today. We're fearless, bold, and highly opinionated. This here show. This show is so hot right now. The biggest guests, the hottest takes, and the best interviews live right here. Do you actually remind me of Dan Patrick? Because you ask great questions, you have the knack, you have the gift. On Sports Talk Chicago. Yo, Chicago. Here's your host. The guy's an absolute stud. John Zagul. Hi, everybody. Welcome in Sports Talk Chicago. Great to see all of you here with us on YouTube Live. Hit the like button, subscribe to the channel. Across all of our great radio and TV affiliates this week, WKAN and Kankakee 105.5, the ticket ACTV, CDs 92.9 FM, WJOB and Jed TV. My name is John Zaglul. John Meadows is directing and producing. Wow, we get a lot to discuss here tonight. Uh, some reports have come out about Matt Eberflus. He is losing confidence from players in the locker room. That's pretty scary. Is Justin Fields really the guy? We're going to have an evaluation and talk about what he's done so far this season and what's to come. Plus, an old friend alert, Matt Nagy, in trouble, ruffling feathers in Kansas City. Go figure. We're going to discuss all of that and more. We're so excited to have all of you here with us. Uh, Follow us all over at Sports Talk Chicago and social media. Make sure you hit up our great sponsors, Amish Country Farms. Hit up these great radio and TV affiliates that I just mentioned. You can listen to the podcast at sportstalkchicago.com. Really happy to be here and just want to make sure I mention this too. I don't sound 100% battling a little bit of a head cold but we are here we're like the we're like the mailmen right we're like the postmasters we never take off rain sleet snow sickness we're always going to be here so we are happy to be here and happy to spend some time with all of you on this beautiful evening talking bears football talking football and talking chicago sports all across the stc syndication network so in case you're living under a rock the bears did win Monday night, it was excruciatingly painful to watch, but they did win. The narrative, as I mentioned in my game recap video yesterday, is already being written. Hey, the Bears won it. Justin Fields led them to a game-winning drive. Yes! Yes, he did. We are going to conveniently forget about the two fumbles. We're going to conveniently forget about anything else that went wrong that night. We are just going to fixate on the fact that he threw a 30-yard pass to DJ Moore, which should be routine, to put the Bears in field goal range to win. That's all that happened, folks. Nothing else happened on that evening. We're not going to talk about the fact that the Bears never scored one touchdown. We're not going to talk about bad play calling from Luke Getze. A win's a win, right? That's all we should be concerned about. Here's a stat from The Athletic, and John Meadows, my man here, sent me this this morning. The Bears are the only NFL team in the Super Bowl era to win a road game despite scoring no TDs, having 75-plus penalty yards, and losing multiple fumbles. Road teams were combined Oh, and 46. We're doing all that in a game before today, regular season and postseason. Oh, and 46. Make it one and 47. The Bears are the exception. They make history the week before, losing in an unbelievable manner. Now they win in an unbelievable manner. What does that say about the Bears? Does that say that uh, they're elites? That they're so good that Justin Fields did it and overcame the odds? Not really. It just goes to show that somehow, some way, they won and they beat. Josh Dobbs, who's one of the worst quarterbacks in football. And Dobbs showed off his problems. I have a couple of articles I want to read off here. A couple of quotes I got. Now, this is from Windy City Gridiron. 
And the title of the article is, Sometimes When You Win, You Really Lose. Uh-oh. We not allowed to talk about that here? Here's what the article ends up saying. This is more of a column. I love that Fields came back. I love that he won the game. I love it for Fields. He needed that. He should feel good. And I want him to be a successful NFL QB. But in reality, what Fields did was lose another game to show definitively that he's the man. His overall performance, zero TDs with two turnovers, cannot be considered a wild success. Luke Etsy's game plan certainly did him no favors, but based on Fields' first-half performance in the previous Vikings game and the game plan for this one, Getsy clearly didn't think Fields could handle reading and reacting to Brian Flores' blitz scheme. The plan was clearly to get the ball out to the sidelines and away from the blitzes. Could Fields have performed better if given the opportunity? Perhaps, but we'll never know. Here's the key from that entire snippet I read. Fields' overall performance, which people are tending to forget, Zero touchdowns and two turnovers, two fumbles in the fourth quarter in crunch time cannot, keyboard, cannot be considered a wild success. Nope, it can't be. I want to go to Justin Fields' season stats, too. I know people don't like hearing about numbers that contradict uh, their perceptions, right? Justin Fields so far this season, 1,600 passing yards in eight games, 12 touchdowns, and Six picks, 92 passer rating. He's averaging 198 yards per game. That is actually a career high to his credit. He's been sacked 29 times. He's a 64% completion percentage. And as far as rush of the football, he's at 400 yards. A little bit modest compared to last year, but still averaging five yards per carry, which is nice to see. Fields, though, with the six picks plus a plethora of fumbles, you have to wonder... How are we feeling about his ability to be a franchise guy? Five fumbles officially on this season, or I'm sorry, seven fumbles for Fields officially. He's fifth in the league. So seven fumbles plus the six picks. What do we think about that? And why is everybody making continuous excuses for his poor performance? Why is everybody continuing to stick up for somebody who just cannot get the job done? And this is not a hate piece on fields, despite everybody's comments, which I see. It's just the plain facts of the matter. I mean, you tell me when in the past somebody like Jay Cutler made a mistake or Mitch Trubisky. Oh, don't. Sorry, can't mention his name. Sorry, let's go back to somebody else. Matt Barkley, right? Nick Bowles, Andy Dalton. When they made mistakes, we held them accountable, right? We were clamoring. I shouldn't say we, you were clamoring to rush in Justin Fields under Matt Nagy and take Andy Dalton out. And obviously, Fields had a really tough go at it in the beginning. Matt Nagy certainly sabotaged him, and he was fired. But the point is, I would have rather seen Fields sit that first season. He didn't, and the rest is history. My point being, my point being, why are we making excuses for Justin Fields, and why didn't we do it before? That's my question. Why do we decide today to make excuses for somebody like Fields when in the past rookie quarterbacks, veteran quarterbacks, you name it, never got these free passes time and time again? How does that make sense? I'm not impressed with how Fields played on Sunday. I'm not going to consider it 
a huge and wild success? No. The Bears won in spite of Justin Fields, and that's a fact. It doesn't mean that I hate him or that he's bad or that this is personal. It's just the truth. How else do you characterize what occurred in that fourth quarter? How else do you characterize two fumbles in a game in which the Bears were trailing in the fourth with less than 10 minutes to go? You cannot justify to me that it was a great game, that things got better, that he looked good. He sucked. It was a bad game. And he was lifted up, fortunately, due to Josh Dobbs and his inability to be a quarterback. And the fact that the defense showed up to play and limited again Josh Dobbs. And I want to say this, too, and you can all agree or disagree, if Kirk Cousins started that game, the Bears would have gotten their asses kicked. And that's a fact, too. Her cousins would have whipped their ass. Cousins would have had a perfect game in completion percentage terms. Probably 85-90% completion percentage. Thrown for 300 yards, maybe one pick, three touchdowns, and a big Vikings win. That's what would have happened. Think about this. It was that close, and the Bears were trailing for a while in that game. And they scored no touchdowns off field goals. It was bad. But don't worry, a win's a win, right? Fields won the game, so we could just disregard everything else that occurred. Let's just be happy that the Bears barely won and defied all odds in doing so. They defied all odds. That must mean they're good. That must mean that's what great teams do. They defy the odds. So the Bears are a great team, right? More logical fallacies being spewed from the masses. This was a bad game. And as a Justin Fields evaluator, as a football evaluator, not as a fanboy, not as a fanalist, not as anybody else, as an evaluator, an impartial judge and jury, I am not impressed with what I see. And I was not impressed with what I saw. (sighs) Luke Gatsy didn't help, screen after screen after screen, but then again... As it was mentioned in that article, which I liked, from Witty City Gridiron, why did the Bears do screen after screen, or why were all these passes short? Well, because Justin Fields ran into a couple of sacks on, on Monday. That's a fact. We saw it. We mentioned it on the broadcast, and he continues to do so. He doesn't have the ability to just get rid of the football. He had a lot of time in the pocket, too. He got sacked a couple of times. He got beat up. But there were other times where he took five, six seconds to roll around, roll out, look around, finally throw it. The goal was to get the ball out of his hands as quickly as possible, knowing there's a blitz. Now, is a screen the best way to do that? Not necessarily. Should he have lined up more in shotgun? Probably so. Luke Getzey's just as much to blame. But... I understand the thought process. I'm not defending how he did, but I understand why they tried or attempted to do what they did. I get it. Justin Fields can't handle the blitz. Justin Fields can't handle the pressure. And when he gets time, he usually runs into a sack or hands a couple of yards on the ground. People don't want to hear this. I'm aware. It's not a popular message I'm spewing here on this program. The other question is this, and I'm going to bring this up every single week, and you're going to get sick and tired of hearing about it. Based on that performance, would you give Justin Fields $200 million? 
Anybody raising their hands? I didn't think so. Some people might be. Sorry, fanboys might be. But the fact is, I would not give Justin Fields $200 million here. And whether you like it or not, unfortunately, the NFL's a business. Every sport's a business. Justin's uh, finishing up his third year, right? There's two more years to go in his rookie contract. After this year, extension talks, preliminary ones, could occur. If not after this year, then certainly after next year. At minimum, this offseason, the Bears may decide whether or not to pick up his fifth-year option, right? And they may do so. Or they may not. I don't know. But that's at minimum what's going to be happening this offseason in terms of Justin Fields and his future and a potential payday. The Bears will have to make a decision right now or at the end of this year whether or not he's good enough to be picked up for a fifth-year option. That in and of itself is going to be a serious question. Then the second part of that question is going to be, maybe that happens this offseason, if not the next one. Okay, we picked up his fifth-year option. Now, how much is he going to want and how much are we willing to pay him? And that is a very difficult question. Because the answer to me right now is an NFL average, a minimum salary. He's not deserving of Deshaun Watson money, Lamar Jackson money, Dak Prescott money, Kyler Murray money, etc., etc., etc. And that's what he's going to want. And I don't blame him for asking for the world. That's the market rate for quarterbacks. Even Daniel Jones money. Daniel Jones shouldn't have gotten paid, but the Giants made a big mistake. Now they're stuck with that contract. Daniel Jones, in similar sense to Mitch Trubisky, one got paid $40 million, one's ran the bench in Pittsburgh, and one got run out of town in Chicago. So again, I ask all of you to please consider this instead of just going on Twitter or coming on here and yelling and saying Justin Fields is great. Okay, maybe he is great. Maybe you think he is. That's fine. That's an opinion. Now what? We could all say he's great. We could say I like this, I like that, I didn't like this. But now what? The fact is it's a business. The fact is he's going to want money. The fact is the Bears have two picks inside the top five. That's the fact. And for Ryan Poles, as a GM, who is probably going to stay, although he shouldn't either, but he'll stay, the question for him is going to be, do I get a chance to pick my quarterback? Now, I will say this, Ryan Poles consented to Justin Fields being his quarterback, because Poles going to come in and said, I don't want Justin Fields here. He didn't do that. So by virtue of default, if you will, although Poles didn't draft Fields, he consented to keeping him. So he's had a quarterback, but now he's going to get one more chance or one first chance to draft somebody. The question is, will Ryan Pulse draft somebody? Well, what do you think? Matt Eberflus is probably going to be gone. That's somebody Pulse hired, so that's strike one on him. He can't screw up the quarterback or else he's really going to be in trouble. Probably going to get fired himself in a couple of years. He is going to look out for his best interest. And his best interest is, right now, to draft a quarterback. It is in Ryan Poles' best interest in terms of survival and in terms of his future in Chicago to trap somebody. Maybe Justin Fields goes somewhere else and lights it up. Maybe he needs a change of scenery. I could see him. Maybe he goes to Atlanta like the big rumor is or another quarterback needy team. I'd love to actually see him in New York with Brian Dable, but I know they're paying Daniel Jones. Maybe the Jets. I don't know. Maybe Aaron Rodgers doesn't come back. Whatever, Whatever the case may be, the point is a mutual parting of ways may be the best option here. I don't think Justin Fields is it in Chicago. He could be somewhere else, and I wish him all the best. 
That's awesome. Don't think he's it here. What makes it even worse or more difficult is that the Bears have draft picks and they have to make a decision about money. See, if Justin Fields was in his second year doing this, if this was last year, I could say, well, you know what? We're still going to have to ride it out because he has three more years on his contract if they pick up the option. But now, after this third season, as of today, he only has one more year unless they pick up the fifth-year option. But they're in a unique situation with two top picks, with, you know, money that may or may not need to be spent. It's pretty similar to Josh Rosen and then Kyler Murray in Arizona. Now, they might be regretting that. I don't really know. I mean, Rosen was bad, but Murray's bad too. The, the point is... It seemed unpopular. It seemed like a raw deal. But in the end, just after drafting Josh Rosen, they drafted Kyler Murray and said goodbye to Josh Rosen. You could even argue the Bears did the same thing with Mitch. 2017, they trade up, they draft Mitch. And then by 2020, 2021, they trade up and take fields. So this is not controversial or something out of the blue, too. Oh, he got a raw deal. No, no. This happens all the time. Because at the end of the day, teams want to win. And right now, this Bears team isn't winning. You can point to many different reasons why they're not winning. Luke Getze, Matt Eberflus, Ryan Pauls, the personnel, effort, play, off-the-field stuff. All of these things can be put together to explain and um, make sense of the Bears' 4-8 and record. There's no doubt about it. But Justin Fields also has not necessarily helped himself. And that's a fact. Justin Fields has not helped himself. He's played okay football. Some people will twist the numbers and say he's played great. He's played fine. Okay. Has he played good enough to earn $200 million, though? That's the one question I never hear anybody ask. Nobody ever asks, well, maybe nobody brings that up. Why does nobody bring that up? We talk about, oh, I like this, I like that. Wow, he was great at this moment. Has he done enough to make $200 million? The answer is no. So at that point, when you have two top five picks, top ten picks at minimum, maybe top five, and an opportunity to draft another quarterback or even sign somebody to a one-year deal for cheap, I don't know. It's going to be a big decision for the Bears and a big decision for Ryan Poles. And I think Poles is certainly going to be worried about his job, and Matt Eberflus may not even be here. So at that point got to ask yourself that, too. And if the Bears hire a new head coach, I'm sorry, there's no way Fields is staying. No way he's staying. He's not going to survive a third coach. No quarterback does, including him. I don't know. I don't see it out of Justin Fields. I didn't see it earlier this year because he really did bad in the beginning of the year. I don't see it now. You could blame play calling, and that's certainly a part of it. But you see... Fumbling is not play calling. Fumbling's fumbling. Holding on to the football is not play calling. It's called holding on to the football. He makes mistakes on his own that has nothing to do with play calling. Those are on him, just like it was with Mitch. Interceptions, fumbles, gone. Same thing. So we could sit here and debate play calling and talk about situations and issues, but I'll tell you what, okay, fumbling is a big part of that too. That's on him. We'll see what the Bears do. Right up near uh, up near a break. We're going to be right back here on Sports Talk Chicago. Stay with us for more Bears coverage. Hi, everybody. Welcome back. Sports Talk Chicago here with you. John Zaglul, John Meadows directing and producing. Great to see everybody here with us and all of our great affiliates across the country. In two states, WKAN, 105.5, the ticket ACTV, Cities, 92.9 Talk FM. 
1230 WJOB and Jed TV member. Uh, if you miss any part of this show, hit us up, sportstalkchicago.com or any of your favorite podcasting apps. We cut it up to be sure. You get every segment one by one plus the full show. John, our master uh, editor, make sure that we get that we get that all up there for you. And follow us at Sports Talk Chicago all over on social media. You can also subscribe to the YouTube channel, hit the like button on the video, and also subscribe because we have over 18,600 subscribers on the way to 20,000. And all of your help is certainly appreciated in getting that done. So, what will the Bears do with Justin Fields? It's a big question that we addressed in segment one. Here's one thing that we may know a little bit more about. This is not as controversial, I hope. So for those who are inflamed or infuriated about the field stuff, I think we could kind of agree on this one, although there are some Matt Eberflus defenders out there. I don't know where the hell you are, but if so, that's unfortunate. Headline here from Sports Mockery. Current Chicago Bears player casts doubt on Matt Eberflus's leadership. According to a source, and this is from Sports Mockery again, a player on the Bears expressed a lack of confidence in Matt Eberflus and stated the current culture is not great, despite opposing reports at a Hallis Hall. Makes sense. Eberflus said that there's a great culture there, but yet has two coaches who resigned midseason due to HR situations. Okay. Quote, he is also not alone, as some other players share a similar view on Eberflus. The player also emphasized the desire to simply win games, which has taken a toll on the locker room. Well, never mind that. They just won. They just won a game, so everything's fine now, right? Wrong. This is what a player is saying about the current situation with the Bears. Ouch. That's pretty scary. That's not good to hear. You're really similar to Mark Tressman, maybe? Uh, not as bad. That was really bad. But that's concerning to hear from a legitimate player, uh, anonymous player on the team. That's scary. That's not exciting to hear. A lack of confidence in Matt Eberflus. Current culture is not great, despite opposing reports out of Hallis Hall. And here's one thing I have to say, right? We don't know. I'm not in there every day. I, I don't know what the culture is like. Okay, we saw videos this past week that the Bears, key, put out on social media, another key, okay, state-run social media accounts, talking about, hey, everybody's rallying around fields. Look at how everybody uh, came around him after the game. He got the game ball. Wow, they all support him. You understand that those are team cameras in there recording good moments. Okay, We don't know what happens there every single day at every waking hour. We have no idea. Of course, the Bears will paint Justin as their leader and paint him in a, ne- in a, in a positive light, not a negative light, a positive light. They're going to paint him to look great, and that's nice. Makes everybody feel good. Makes me feel good. I, I was pumped up seeing that video for a second. I was. Then I realized, okay, they're going to open up Club Dub for a game in which they scored no touchdowns. Then I was like, okay, this is bad. <sighs> Point being... We don't know if everything's amazing at Hallis Hall. And this report certainly casts a shadow of doubt on what everybody's seeing. Right? This casts significant doubt. I'll tell you this, and this was a couple of weeks ago. We did part of the show on this, if you recall, if you were listening uh, on YouTube or watching on YouTube, listening on the radio. Um, 
Matt Eberflus came out and said, hey, we have a great culture here. And Ryan Poles affirmed his commitment to Eberflus, a big public press conference for the Bears. And we all kind of wondered what's going on. We all kind of wondered why or how or what does this all mean? And I did a pretty fiery video on it. I'm not going to do that again. You could go back and watch it or hear it. But I'm going to say this, and I'm going to make it very clear. You cannot have a good culture when you're four and eight, when your quarterback situation's in question, when your offensive coordinator is being grilled every day, when your head coach is probably going to be fired, and here's the key, when two of your top assistants resign mid-season due to HR situations. That does not sound like a nice culture to me. Certainly something I don't want to be a part of. <laughs> Maybe it's a nice culture for them. I'm not really into that kind of stuff. Okay? That is not something we should be parading or touting. So I would believe this source, who seems to be a Bears player, talking on the record anonymously, saying that there is not a lot of confidence in Matt Eberflus. Simple solution, especially if this is a defensive player, hire a new coach. This Bears defense is not horrendous. They've actually improved a lot over the past couple of games, to their credit. Not really to Matt Eberflus's credit, I'd say to their credit. They've been playing with more of a vigor, more of an energy, which is nice. They're all competing probably for jobs next year. Jalen Johnson thinks he's going to get paid. He's competing for a payday, right? Everybody is competing for something. And due to those individual efforts, the team is rising, and that's awesome. That's great. If this defense stays intact, which it will, because a lot of these guys are tied up due to money, you bring in a new coach, and maybe everybody galvanizes around him, and then you move forward, and that'd be great. So, the positive is, due to this statement and source, that there, there is a solution. There is something that could be done to make it better. If they're offensive, this player's an offensive player, well, they need to fire Luke Getze, which they might do, especially if Eberplus gets fired. So you get a one-on-one deal, both of them gone. That'd be great, too. So this is more of a fixable situation, which is good, because there's no confidence in Matt Eberplus, according to this report. Not even talking about Justin Fields. We're not even talking about him here, too. This is Matt Eberflus specifically. So I could see a situation. I don't advocate for it necessarily, but maybe they keep Fields for another year. Maybe they fire Eberflus, fire Getze. Somehow a new coach comes in and decides to keep Justin Fields, which is really unprecedented, and they go 500 next year-ish. That would be nice. That's certainly possible. And that would certainly corroborate this report. I don't know. But this report is something that needs to be pursued and continued to be talked about. I will say that for sure. A player on the Bears expressed a lack of confidence in Matt Eberflus. Never a good sign. I don't care if you're a 20-year head coach or a two-year head coach. Bill Belichick's going through the same thing in New England, and he might get fired too. I don't care how long you've been at it. I don't care what your knowledge of the game is. When your players have no confidence in you, That's scary. And the current culture is not great, despite opposing reports out of Hallis Hall. And that's the key, too. Opposing reports out of Hallis Hall. We could all agree that maybe not everything that they put out is 100% genuine. Again, remember, it's the Bears' social media account posting a video of players rallying around the team in a moment in which only team cameras are allowed, okay? This doesn't mean that everybody's happy. This doesn't mean that everybody's buying it. At the end of the day, you know, from their perspective, which I totally understand, 
a win's a win. For a lot of these players, especially the defense, if I were a defensive player on the Bears on, on Monday night, I'd be super proud of that win. I would be celebrating because I know that I was the one or I was one of the reasons that we won this game. I was Justin Fields, I wouldn't be celebrating too much. Luke Getze, definitely not. I'd be ducking out and running for cover immediately. Even Matt Eberflus. So I get why some players were celebrating and a win's a win. But, oh man. This report is troubling and this report needs to be discussed and needs to be considered. So... I just find it interesting. And then the question becomes, okay, who are they going to hire next? And that becomes a whole thing. I mean, we do know this, that one coach has already been fired in Frank Reich. I think that was grievous and stupid, but he was fired. I will say this, and offensive coordinator, how about Frank Reich? Certainly something you should consider if you're the Bears. As far as a head coach goes, though, I feel like there's going to be a large Black Monday. Benjamin Albright, friend of this program, put out on Twitter, saw this maybe a week ago, where he said there could be as many as 10 coaches fired on Black Monday this year. There could be as many as 10 vacancies and switches and swaps going on. So a lot of guys are probably going to be on the market, I would hope. And from that point, you could make a decision on who you want to hire. I think Frank Reich got a raw deal. Could he? Would he be interested in coaching here? Would he be interested in being an OC? I don't know if he'd be a good head coach, but an offensive coordinator. I think he's worked wonders in the past with certain quarterbacks. Carson Wentz. You say what you want about Carson Wentz. He was good in Indianapolis. and He's not a great quarterback, but he was good with, with Frank Reich, even in uh, Philadelphia, too. So I think that there's an opportunity for him, and there could be other coaches that end up hitting the market and becoming available. And from there, the Bears have to make a decision, and they have to do something. But I think they're going to have a lot of different guys to choose from. And when you're hearing reports like this about Eberflus, and the season isn't over yet, there's still a couple of games left, and we're only in November, going to be December, that's kind of a precursor. That's something that's probably going to happen to him. It's not going to be pleasant. I'm not reporting it. I'm just speculating. But I would not buy this situation and be like, all right, they got to keep Eberflus. And for those of you who defend him, I'd love to hear what you think or why he should stay. Right? But I don't understand why anybody would actively defend him. That's just me. I don't see it. I don't see a reason why he needs to stay. He has not done enough to justify staying. He is not. I mean, Eberflus is a head coach, is the worst in Bears history. I mean, he's 7-22. and 22, Worst win percentage ever. I, I don't see how he should stay. First ever divisional win was a game in which they scored no touchdowns and 75-plus penalty yards and forced four picks from Josh Jobs and won by a field goal in crunch time. And if they had their veteran QB, they would have easily lost. Yeah, I mean... Matt Eberflus is going to have to go. If there's one person who needs to go, even more than Justin Fields, it's Matt Eberflus. So we're seeing reports now saying that there are players who have lost confidence in him. That's today. Imagine what it's going to be like. Imagine what it's going to say. Imagine what's going to happen as this season ramps up, gets worse and worse, and then eventually ends the year. 
I'm not buying Matt Eberflus to be a good coach. I'm not. If they do keep him, I'm going to be stunned. I could see it, though, because it's Bears football, but I'm not going to buy it. And again, if you're just hopping in, report here from Sports Mockery. This is an original report, according to a source. A player on the Bears expressed a lack of confidence in Matt Eberflus and stated the current culture is not great, despite opposing reports on a Hallis Hall. He is also not alone. His other players share a similar view. The player also emphasized a desire to simply win games, which has taken a toll on the locker room. Again, hey, it's okay. The Bears just won, so everything's fine now. They just won. 12-9, barely. Um, yeah. Somebody's pissed. And I shouldn't even say somebody, people are pissed. Players, with an S, are pissed. Multiple ones are pissed. As they should be. Even think about early in the year, like making Bayless Jones active for all these games when he didn't do anything, benching Deontay Foreman all season long for the first five games. EQ St. Brown was inactive, been active. The Bears have made some dumb uh, personnel decisions, too. Chase Claypool on that situation, that was on Poles and Eberflus. They've been underutilizing guys or using guys when they shouldn't be or should be. I mean, they're, they're making personnel mistakes, too. So there's a lot here. There's a lot here. It's not good. None of it's good. None of it's positive. None of it's okay. I like the direction this team is going in. Players are not liking the direction this team is going in. So if the players aren't liking it, I can't even imagine what maybe ownership is feeling, or at least Kevin Warren is feeling. That's what I, that's who I want to see too. I really, you know, I get Warren came in in April, right? April or May. So I know his number one task has been the stadium, which has not been looking good. But here's what I want to find out, and this is what I'm going to know, what all of us will know, what the operation is like at Hallis Hall. Will Kevin Warren actually have a say in making decisions? Because believe it or not, Kevin Warren didn't hire Matt Eberflus nor Brian Poles. So I wonder if Kevin Warren gets an opportunity to say, you know what, I've had enough of this crap. We've seen Kevin Warren at games. He doesn't look too happy. I blasted him in the past, but you know what? Tonight I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt because I'll tell you what, he did not hire Eberflus nor Poles. He walked in late according to the offseason, and his number one project right now is the stadium, which is not going well. That's on him. But other things, I want to see what he does. If the Bears give him control, relinquish control a bit, I'd love to see Kevin Warren say, Matt, you're gone, and we need to hire a legitimate head coach. And I said this before, and I'll say it again. Stop it with the on-the-job training. Please, please hire somebody with experience. I'm sick of minor league football, minor league coaching. All right, we're going to underpay this guy. He'll come in. He's just a coordinator. Now he's going to come in and be the head coach. Why do the Bears consistently go after people like that? Oh, John Fox had experience. Yeah, well, John Fox came here for the money and sucked. I'm asking for a legitimate coach, a legitimate option, who has an ounce of experience that's not... Hey, I was the defensive coordinator for the Colts, and our defense was consistently ranked 20th. Yes, hire me. (laughs) At that point, they should have kept Sean Desai around. So, 
I just hope they actually do things right and they do things from a smart business perspective that's going to allow them to maximize their wins because right now they're not maximizing wins they're not maximizing opportunities they just continually make mistakes somebody needs to come in who's going to clean this mess up somebody with experience somebody who knows what they're doing no rookie coach no on-the-job training everybody needs a first time and i'm okay saying that everybody needs a first opportunity but Why does it have to be with the charter franchise of the NFL? Why can't it be with the Browns or the Dolphins or the Chargers or, I don't know, the Jets, Giants, they both suck over there. Why does it have to be here all the time? Why does the charter charter franchise of the NFL, who had George Hallis as their head coach for decades, why now have we resulted and succumbed to Consistent on-the-job training from guys who have never coached in their lives before. Head coached. Why have the Bears come and stooped to this level? That's my question. Because clearly, Matt Eberflus, nice guy, but his culture, his thumb on the pulse of the culture is horrendous. This team's 4-8. He's one of the worst coaches in Bears history. He... Lost two of his top hires, right? His top staffers to HR complaints and abrupt resignations. We still don't know what happened to Alan Williams. We're still waiting. We've heard nothing. We're still waiting. I'm still waiting. So that does not signify to me that the culture is stable and great. And it shouldn't to you either. So as the Bears look into what they're going to do next year, what their strategy is going to be for next year, and how they're going to make this all work out, they need to figure out what to do at head coach. And if there are reports coming out today saying that players are not confident in Matt Eberflus, according to sources, and that multiple players have expressed this sentiment because of a lack of winning, then I can't imagine how the rest of this year is going to go and how it's going to go. Matt Eberflus stays for another year and another year after that. <clears throat> it is clear that he is not the guy in terms of a coach. He is not somebody I'm going to place my trust in in terms of leading a football team. It's not going to happen. So... I would caution everybody to be on the edge of your seat in terms of what's going to happen to him come the end of this year. There are a few games left. I'm not saying it's a report. This is speculation. But if there are reports coming out, these are official reports saying that he's lost the locker room, that there's no confidence in him, then that's kind of a a telltale sign that things are not going to get better. And when you're five, six games left in the season in your second year and you're one of the worst coaches in Bears history – I think all of that is just a precursor of what's to come. Could be wrong, and if they keep him, I I don't know how they're going to justify it. They'll they'll find a way, I guess, but I don't know how they're going to do it. But I am not confident in Eberflus sticking around for the long haul. I'll tell you that right now. More to come here on Sports Talk Chicago. Stay tuned. Sports Talk Chicago, John Zaglula here with you. John Meadows directing and producing. We are live with all of our great affiliates here. WKAN 105.5 The Ticket, ACTV, Cities 92.9 Talk FM, WJOB, Jed TV, and of course, 
on YouTube at Sports Talk Chicago. You know, all you got to do is hit that like button and hit the subscribe button. You'll be notified and a part of our channel when new videos come up. We post all of this show that you hear on the radio on YouTube and on our TV stations on ACTV and JTV in video form. You can see my pretty handsome face and enjoy our content as it relates to Chicago sports. Hit the subscribe button today. Hit the like button and hang out here with us. You can follow us all over at Sports Talk Chicago. You can support us, support our sponsor, Amish Country Farms. And if you've missed any part of this program, uh, you can find it in segments, chopped up in the podcast form on sportstalkchicago.com. You can also um, go to any podcast provider, look us up, Sports Talk Chicago, and subscribe, follow us, give us a rating, review, and um, listen to the show at your leisure. On demand, we're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, Odyssey, all over the place. We're here for you, and um, we enjoy the opportunity. So last segment of the day here, lot to discuss. We've talked about a lot. It's been a lot of Bears football. We have a semi-Bears football topic to discuss here. This one was actually brought to my attention by Landon, and I hope Landon's going to end up catching up. He told me he couldn't make the live stream today, but Landon was acting as, a, I guess, a semi-producer, a part-time producer for me, and he, he sent me this article, and I just thought, we got to talk about this. We can't let this one go. Now, if you're new to the show, whether it's on YouTube, radio, TV, you know my thoughts and my disdain for Matt Nagy and the Mitch Trubisky stuff. You know my thoughts and my disdain for it. You know how I feel about it. You, I mean, I mean you've followed me since 2020, at least on YouTube, you know. You can go back and watch videos. Go to the most popular videos on my channel. We've got 30,000 views on some of these videos, okay? I cannot forgive Matt Nagy for his recklessness in Chicago. I can't do it. Maybe one day I will, 20 years down the road, when the full story comes out, because I mentioned this before, that somebody close to Mitch Trubisky actually sent me information on what happened, and he told me that basically that a lot of the stuff that was reported uh, wasn't all accurate, and that also there were things behind the scenes that were really bad that have not been reported and not come to light yet. Maybe when Mitch Trubisky retires in 20 years and Matt Nagy's out of the league, that stuff will come to light. If not, so be it. But that's what I was told. I'm going to trust that source. Point being, Matt Nagy effed up in Chicago. He ruined a player's career. He got fired and actually ruined uh, Justin Fields to an extent in that rookie year. So not even going to say it's just Mitch Trubisky. How about Justin Fields? How about putting him into a game in his rookie debut and lining him up to the Wolves, getting him sacked nine times against Cleveland and Miles Garrett, dancing all over his shaken-up body on the ground? What about that? That was Matt Nagy, too. So don't think this is just a Mitch Trubisky crusade. This is a Justin Fields crusade as well. Matt Nagy ruins quarterbacks. That's his M.O. That's his job. The fact that he still has a job in football, it just goes to show his ability to maintain and procure connections. That's all that is. Matt Nagy was the quarterback's coach, which I, I can't even believe I'm saying that. He was the quarterback's coach, believe it or not, for the Chiefs. Came here to be the head coach. Sorry, he went from quarterback's coach to offensive coordinator. But in reality, I mean, Andy Reid's the offensive coordinator. So here's the deal. And here's the article. Sportsmockery.com. Sounds like Matt Nagy has already broken the spirit of Chiefs fans. Wow. 
That's what it says. And this is what Landon sent me. I'm giving Landon credit. Landon, you're getting credit on radio, on TV, on YouTube. I want to read you just a paragraph. Kansas City Chiefs fans were thrilled when their team rehired Matt Nagy to replace Eric Bieniemy's offensive coordinator. By the way, Bieniemy has a quarterback in Sam Howell, who is the most passing yards in football now. Hmm. Anyways, uh, go on. It goes on to say here. The unit wouldn't miss a beat from last season when it was the number one offense in the NFL. Nagy knew the system and already had a previous relationship with Pat Mahomes. Meanwhile, Chicago Bears fans issued a warning. Be careful what you wish for. I said that too. Wow, maybe they're quoting me. Time has proven them correct. The Chiefs offense has looked like a shadow of what it was the past few years. People are trying to blame the situation on wide receiving, yet the unit isn't all that different from last year. The only notable change was allowing Juju Smith-Schuster to leave. It is virtually the same group. To go from number one of the NFL to number 14 that quickly, despite having your future Hall of Fame quarterback in his prime, doesn't feel right. The only significant change made to the structure was hiring Matt Nagy. It looks like fans are starting to catch on. Though the Chiefs are still on course to win the division, fears linger about the Kansas City Chiefs offense. Uh Uh-oh. What did we say? We told Chiefs fans this in January, February. Then there were reports, if you recall on this show, if you're an avid listener, that Matt Nagy right now is being groomed to be the heir apparent to Andy Reid when he retires. Could be a couple of years, maybe three, four years, but that's the goal right now. So Matt Nagy, I believe, as bad as it was, he'll get another shot, just like Josh McDaniels. That was a train wreck in Denver. (laughs) Some team was stupid enough to give him another shot, and he failed again. And Josh McDaniels will never be a head coach in the NFL again. He may never be a coordinator again, right? So now Matt Nagy, like... Josh McDaniels is going to get probably one more chance, and it's probably going to be with Kansas City. So let's look at what Pat Mahomes has done this season in KC. His passer rating is at a career low. Yards per game is at a career low. Interception rate is an all-time high for him. Yards are still up there to an extent. Touchdowns are going to be lower. Uh, Not lowest ever, but lower than before. Fact is, he's having a tough year. His sack percentage is also first in the NFL. Got sacked 14 times for 105 yards, a 3.3 sack percentage. So career lows in yards per game, in passer rating, career high on pace in interceptions. He only needs four more to hit a career high. Wow, this is Pat Mahomes we're talking about, and look what's happening. That's scary. I just find it interesting that this occurred. I find it interesting that um, people are starting to catch on. I just want to say that we warned you. People, we warned you. We told you what was going to happen. Matt Nagy is a horrendous coach. And for me, it's a little bit satisfying to see this happen only, not because I hate Chiefs fans, not because I you don't know, want them to struggle, because I want the league to see and know what he did in Chicago was wrong. And what he's doing out there is even worse. You got Pat Mahomes, generational talent, having a career-worst year, coming off the fact that Nagy almost ruined Justin Fields and certainly ruined Mitch Trubisky. How is this guy still employed? But more importantly, how are people still defending him? My goodness. I, I, I can't believe it. Please, somebody get him out of Kansas City. Do something. I don't know if Andy Reid, I don't know if he can do anything. I know they're best buddies. Do something, please. This is horrible. I told you, I'd never forget about this. I would never stop the Matt Nagy crusade. If you don't like it, I, I understand, but... I can't, because the Chicago media forgot about him a long time ago. They're they're done with Matt Nagy. I'm not. I want the NFL to see what he's done, 
to young quarterbacks and now what he's doing to an all-time great. This guy's the best quarterback in the league having a career-worst year. The Chiefs offense went from 1-14. to 14. Who else could you blame but Matt Nagy? And yet, he may become the new Chiefs head coach. He will fail upward and do it again. And I hope that everybody sees it now and will see when the time comes. He is not fit to be an NFL football coach. And on that note, we're going to end here tonight. Appreciate everybody tuning in, everybody hanging out here with us all over the place. WKAN 105.5 The Ticket, ACTV, CDs 92.9 Talk of Him, AM 1230 WJOB and Jet TV. Hit us up on YouTube, subscribe, hit the like button, and join our big bustling community. A big thank you to John Meadows directing and producing. Thank you to all of you for bearing with me too. Not 100%, but we certainly had a fiery show. We always will. We will see you next week for another show. Bears are going to have a bye week, so we won't be live on YouTube this weekend, but we will next weekend. Until next time, so long. We'll see you soon.